So anyway, he's uh, I'll let you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about how long you've been betting, what are your favorite sports, kind of, you know, just a little bit about what you do when it comes to sports betting and about yourself, and we'll just kind of take it from there. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm known on the internet as biz, business, um, been sports betting for about 20 years, give or take. Uh, just out of college, started doing that. Um, done everything from handicapping, um, data analytics, and, uh, you know, done a lot of research, reading books, and just trying to learn the industry. Um, sports has always been, you know, a hobby of mine. And just once I found, once I found there was opportunity to, to make money, it really took a lot of my time and decided to really dive deep into, you know, getting to know not only, you know, the sports betting industry, but, um, you know, things like lines, um, data, research, all that stuff, just combine all my knowledge into trying to find an edge and beat the market, which is quite heavily manipulated. So it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty tough game to beat. It is. It is. How long have you been betting now for like how many years? Um, about 20. Wow. About 20. Nice. So what's, what's your favorite sport to bet? Um, NBA. I mean, NBA was always my favorite sport to watch as a kid. So, right. Um, it's a pretty fast-paced game too. So, just naturally, it's my favorite sport to bet as well. Yeah, yeah. I I, I bet the NBA. I've, I've loved betting the NBA playoffs for many years. The regular season, I don't like most sports. I don't really bet honestly. Usually, until a good chunk into the season when I get a feel for the teams and players and trends. I've never had a tool like I have now, right, to kind of do the real analytics. It was more just learning to read the lines, kind of seeing some trends over a few days and trying to follow those. And basically, you know, we, we can talk about anything, honestly, but um, the topic for now I want to focus on is, um, you know, how do you kind of approach early season, like NFL now we're starting week four versus late season, which, you know, Major League Baseball is about over, right? So um, approach, attack, you know, early season versus late season. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm a bit more, a bit more cautious, just like you. Um, early season, you know, you have roster changes, um, yeah. just a lot of variables that you don't necessarily know about um, at the beginning. I would say a month or so. Um, well, you know, teams are still trying to find their identity. Um, players are still trying to mesh. You know, all those things taken into consideration, especially from a, like a handicap perspective. Um, I think, you, you know, when you're trying to bet, when you're trying to bet lines, um, at least for me, um, I'm trying to follow the big guys. Um, and you know, you, you kind of figure that big guys know more than you do. That's right. So, yeah. um, there may be, you know, a little, a little bit more of an edge that you can find early on just because you're not necessarily making those, um, I guess, that decisions yourself you're just trying to follow the follow the guys that supposedly know what they're doing exactly so let me ask you a question uh, like baseball is what 160 what two or four games or something like that right and then um nfl is like 17 yeah, games 162 162 that's what i thought yeah i was confused yeah. 162 164 for some reason in my head but so what at what point in the baseball season do you feel like you've gotten deep enough into the year that you kind of start to see the trends or the numbers that make you feel confident to bet is it like um, well, when I build models, um, yeah. I'm trying to capture several scenarios. I like I like home and away. I like versus lefties and righties, and I like last ten games. So mm-hmm. really, for me, it's about ten, fifteen games in. I feel comfortable with relatively comfortable with the data that I see. But start kind of putting my toes in the water and and, and trying to place a few bets based off the data that I have. And obviously the more data you get, things can, you know, you can tweak, tweak a model. Things can change. Mm -hmm. Um, I like, you know, I like to measure things primarily month by month. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, the the lines makers will adjust accordingly. You never know. It'll be, it's not necessarily like on a day by day basis, but especially in football, you know, if you have, unders start coming in hot you know for a couple weeks in a row and you see everybody start to pound unders they're going to start to mm-hmm. make adjustments on those lines maybe even a point or two on the over and eventually you're going to start to see 
things kind of reverse back to the mean and you know you're going to start to see the unders yeah the corrections for yeah i 100 percent agree yeah. with you you know for me yeah for me it's actually interesting because what i i I'd done this year with baseballs i was kind of focused on the nba and the nba goes well into like right so I, I was basically kind of ignoring baseball for the first two months letting the data kind of simulate the numbers and then i got i just basically when nba was wrapped I had some data for baseball and I kind of just transitioned my mindset from NBA to, to baseball. And, um, but I, I, for the way I, why I do my analytics is, you know, you know what I do. Cause you see, probably see the videos or at least seem something on, you know, what I do, but it's, it's a lot of different things. My predictive model has a lot of offensive stats, pitching stats, home records, road records. It doesn't, uh, accommodate or account for the, uh, the last 10 games it does end up read the lines and it, does have I've really been focused on the dogs. That's something I didn't early in the year, but um, I, I'd have a little bit maybe broader. But I don't think I go as deep in the numbers, probably in the, on those those categories that you focus on. So, a lot of different ways to attack it, obviously. But um, what what about so the, basically you get like early I don't in- need last ten games. Last ten games is just what sites that I use to get my data have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just for me. It's it's just trying to get a short-term approach on how on how teams are doing since baseball is a very mechanical and streaky sport you know guys can lose their edge you know for two three weeks in terms of you know hitting pitching you know since it's a i'd say it's the most mechanical sport there is so mm-hmm. that short term um that short term approach way you know weighed into your handicapping is is pretty crucial especially since the the lines will typically be shifted off, you know, essentially betting psychology and, you know, people have recency bias and will usually bet, you know, uh, you know, over the past game or two that they remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I definitely remember the ones I lose. I can tell you that <laughs> and those are the ones that stand out, but I don't bet a lot. I bet two games a day, basically on the dogs, but so anyway, I guess that's interesting. So let's talk about so that's early season. Does it make what happens like mid season or late season at that point? Does anything change in your in your approach? Uh, to be honest with you, not really. I mean, there always has to be winners. There always has to be losers. There's always going to be big favorites. You know, big dogs. You know, the lines makers are gonna pretty much keep keep things even keeled throughout the entire season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there you know, there's gonna be periods of time where dogs are winning more, favorites are winning more. Um, you know, so a tool like that gadget's um really good to kind of find those those trends because, you know, when you can find the trends, you know, the trend is your friend until the end and you can ride it until it's not hitting anymore. Um but with to understand way that those work just it's just like like stock market you know and when things go up real fast they come down real fast that's right um, so when you see you know certain trends that are really really hot when they start to cool off you need to get off potentially go with that trend the other way yeah yeah that's the identifying the change um, of direction as far as, yeah. yeah but as far as her you know our mid game late game season i mean there's a lot of theories out there in terms of you know teams trying harder at certain points of the season than others, but I mean, it's, it's going to reflect in the lines. I think the biggest thing that you have to watch out for is just, um, especially in baseball, well, especially in, well, baseball and basketball, there are a lot of lineup changes later in the season, but I think different reasons for basketball player, you know, there's load management players just sit out a lot more games than they used to it. So it's kind of hard to get that every day, you know, or every game, same roster type deal that you get in like football and baseball. But especially right now for baseball, the teams that are out of, you know, playoff contention, I think right now are starting to kind of throw some of the young guys in there. Yeah, that's right. See, you know, and kind of see what they have since they have no, you know, since they have no, um, nothing to no lose. Playoff hopes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's interesting to me yeah. because. You know, baseball, I don't think there's as much parity as there is like in football. Baseball, I think you kind of know, for the most part, the best teams in the league and, you know, the worst teams. The middle teams are kind of hard to figure out early, right? But 
for me personally, you get this late in the year. I, I when I look at the daily picks and go through the tool and look at the predictive confidence and break it down, I love having a hundred plus games to to look at and have all that data and and have some reference of the value of the pick. I, I love the word value, by the way, because you and I talked a while back, and I, I say that all the time. Now I, I kind of stole your word, which I used to call it smart betting, but it's really not smart betting. It's it's value betting. So I'm going to adopt your word, by the way. But anyway, so let's go to football for a minute. Um, football. I, I probably stole it from somebody else. So. <laughs> I'm sure somebody else will take it and run with it. So that's that's totally fair. Um, oh, football. How do you feel yeah. about football then early season? Because right now we're starting week three. I personally, um, you know me, right? I, I, I mean, you know me a little bit. We've talked at least once on the phone. We talk on the internet, you know, over our Discord channel quite a bit, you know, through well, different topics, a lot of topics. And, uh, I'm, I'm very adamant that football has a ton of parity. I mean, more probably parity than any sport, in my opinion. And so what I've learned over the years is I make most of my money around Thanksgiving to the Super Bowl. And so I kind of limp into football. But now that, you know, we were kind of promoting the tool and the, and the product, you know, of that gadget, I found myself, you know, after a week, after two weeks, saying, okay, I've got a small sample size. Let's try to put out some picks. And it was funny because I, I did the model. This is no lie. I should have took a screenshot. I did the model based on what I believe the model should be. I tweaked it a bit. And based on the first two weeks of data, I was able to get my model to hit, you know, 83% on the spreads and 100% on the money line. But again, that's like what? A handful of games. Well, guess what happened on week three? I went like one and six on one and like two and four on the other one because my sample size was so small. It was irrelevant. I tried to be disciplined to stick to it. And it was too early. It was just too early to, to use the data to do much with it the way I do it. So tell me about kind of what you think of the NFL and the first couple of games in early season versus late season. Well, let's just say you're, you know, for whatever reason, your model would have been heavy on the unders. I mean, it would have looked at week one and it would have gotten whacked week two. Right. Um, right. So from, 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 from that standpoint, you know, from a, from a day, the analytics standpoint, you know, it's, it's kind of tough, especially if you don't have any prior, prior season history. That's right. Um, but lines are lying. You know, if you understand how lines work, um, I, I feel that you can pretty much bet any sport at any time of the year, um, because it's it's all it's all it's all the same thing. You're 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 following, you know, you're following the smart money, or you're trying to fade the public. Like you know, I've always said, if you fade the if you're pure contrarian in any of the prime time NFL, you'll probably be a sixty percent lifetime better or pretty I, close to it. I, it's just, I agree. That's just, that's just how it works. Yeah, that's that's why I that's a that's a really really key point because on NBA, not not this year. This year I did not work for me, but historically all they would do on the NBA was basically look to see which side the public's on, fade the public, and make my money on NBA. And mostly I was looking to feed the public on the dog. It's at home getting points. Kind of, there, there's certain criteria that I'd look for, right? But to up the units or down the units. But yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And that, that 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 philosophy does work on some level. This year did not work on NBA. Um, on baseball right now, you know, just betting dogs and uh, feeding the not really feeding the public. It's more about the dogs and looking for. I, I like pitcher stats, honestly. Matter of fact, on my screen, I don't know if you can see my screen. Can you see my screen? So one of the things I was just looking at, I just ran from like July 1st to, you know, yesterday. And I was just kind of just browsing through this as you were talking. I was looking to see if I see any numbers that are pretty interesting. I find it interesting that the, the whip, you know, the walks plus hits divided by innings pitch. For those of people who don't know, I know you know this, but most some people don't. Those are hitting 53% at plus 27 units, which is probably four or five. You're negative 28. And if you're over six, it's really high. So there's some, there's some interesting bigger samples. I, I see a lot that I really interests me. Not to not so really late season early, but as the last ten games, you brought that up as well. I do look at the last ten games a little bit, and the thing that you know I see a lot. I've noticed a lot lately. Maybe it's just I've noticed it recently, but I've noticed the teams that are like two and eight or three and seven the last ten are almost as good as the teams that are eight and two or nine and one. Have you noticed that? What's your What's your kind of uh, thinking on that? As good as in, in what regard? Uh, last week. Well, I should say a lot of, but you got a few of the contending teams losing quite a few games. I mean, you have teams like the Braves that already clinched. Right. Um, you know, their games didn't really matter anymore. 
Right. Um, I think the Astros went on a pretty decent skid. I think they were losing to the Oakland A's. Um, but it's 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 tough. I mean, I think the biggest thing, especially what I'm seeing in baseball right now, as compared to maybe when I first started betting, was the the pens probably the the game that sports betters still haven't adjusted to in terms of you know recognizing the importance of because a lot of these starting pitchers don't go nearly as deep as the ones twenty got. You know, starting pitchers with a good whip, if those pitchers are only going five, six innings max, mm-hmm. it's leaving, you know, a third of the game to somebody, you know, to part, you know, somebody you're not even taking into account for. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, back in the seven, you know, they would go seven innings minimum. Now they're going six innings maximum. Yeah. So the bullpens, you know, I think a lot, you know, both sports betters that, that, that baseball season have seen, and I think they're, kind of gotten worn out and frustrated at how many they've kind of suffered this year from, from bullpen pitching. And rough, no doubt about it. Um, okay. What, what else? It's just, it's just, it's just a shift. It's just a shift in the game. Engine. So we're actually going into anything going into week four that you want to kind of discuss or you know, NFL, kind of where we are in the year, kind of modeling the tool, just theories. Or you heard the, the conversation last week, I believe. We talked a little bit on Discord about the uh, the, the conversation with August, right, about first line movement and kind of, you know, the argument against or for it. And I think in the end, it was kind of, we kind of agreed it's a component. It's a data point. It's not the data point, but it's a data point. Right? He had some really compelling points. Well, I think he had some really interesting a, theories I, on that, you too. Know, at, the, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's all speculation, right? It's all speculation on True. why why a line's moving the way it is, right? Um, you know, we we don't really know, um, but I, you know, at least from the way I understand from reading books, is that when people use the term sharp, they're always referring to professional better, and especially nowadays, you know, it's it's a bit different now than before because um, now, you know the every every bet's being tracked um before you you know they would essentially walk into a casino and they would know who the sharp was just just by their face right that's right but now you know you log into a account and they're literally able to track every bet and 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 you know on you know they have you know know to the game how many how many times you're beating the closing line et cetera et cetera et cetera um and and you know the thing that you know, the thing with sports betting is a lot of these books don't accommodate winning betters. As soon as they deem that you have an edge that's not, you know, like a, a true edge, they'll cut your limit down pretty, you know, pretty severely to mm. the point that, you know, it could be like a ban, but not really a ban. You know, I might limit you like a dollar or 10 bucks or something like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's kind of you know, but you know there are some books that do allow sharps, and they, you know they kind of see it as like a cost of doing. You know the advantage that a book can have allowing sharps is, um, the sharps can give them information on when they're of where the line is or should be. That's and right. They, you know they can kind of treat that as like a cost of the sharp, but they're going to have a more accurate line and can exponentially more money off you know off the public betters yeah the market makers like i guess so like, it's more yeah. so it's, it's more more so who's who's betting the money rather than the the amount of money bet yeah yeah because yeah. there are because there are a lot of whales there are a lot of whales out there that don't huge amounts on a game that you know that are that are just you know an ordinary sucker with just a whole lot more money <laughs> there's definitely a few of those yeah, out there that would move and that would and you know so you know all money is not treated equally and we don't have any of that information so like i said it's really all speculation in the way it does yeah yeah exactly um do you have any other things around the reverse line movement topic from last week that you want to do uh the touch on or um for me no i i don't i don't you know there are certain spots that it's 
blatantly obvious who who the you know who the who the right team is you know in any sport i i primarily don't put a ton of emphasis on it unless it's unless it's in the nfl yeah yeah let me ask you a question then here's here's one of the things i have a theory on but i want to ask you first before i kind of give you my my view of it do you when you bet on nfl do the spread amounts um have an influence on how you bet a game like you know minus one versus minus two minus six and a half minus ten and a half like do certain spread lines specifically have an impact on well i mean you know the the books that i've read i think the key numbers are like three six ten i mean they all revolve around the denominations in which you can score which is essentially three six seven ten maybe fourteen and they actually comment, you know, teasers are very popular too. So that That's when right. lines makers are making lines, they actually accommodate uh, for teasers as well. Interesting, yeah. Because you know, with a, you, you know, yeah, because a lot of you know, because a lot of people don't don't straight bet. They just will take a you know, they'll take like a six point seven point favorite and just tease them down to essentially and just pray that that team wins the game. Like I see a lot of teams that are like minus 10 they actually lose outright because mm-hmm. a lot you know because a lot, a lot those plot people also like to do those three team 10 point teams. yeah 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 actually that's interesting but we, we should talk about teasers in a minute i'm going to kind of point out i i actually do when i bet nfl i love when it's like a prime time game let's say sunday night thursday night monday night it doesn't matter right give me a prime time game give me a team it's a home getting plus one i love the home team Plus yeah. one because the public goes, oh my god, look at this game. The better team, they think the better team's minus one. There's no line to really cover, right? They get excited, and I swear to God, I've made more money betting the plus one at home um, than probably any other bet. I mean, with a higher confidence or percentage than anything, it's it's pretty remarkable. Look at the numbers on this, on like just this year, plus one, you know, hitting is two and one, plus three, five and zero. Oh. I mean, plus four and a half, plus uh, four to four and a half, six and zero. Oh. I mean, there is some indication, and then you get these games around plus seven and seven and a half. Not there's not a lot of sample size yet, but I think that theory is pretty solid. Well, another thing you should look at is those games that you have there that like the small home dog. You should actually go and look at their margin, their margin of victory. Mm-hmm. Small home because a lot of times the, mar- the margin of victory is gonna overlap a teaser that people are taking on the the favorite and say the over. So, you know, which will see you know, if you got, you know, the favorites minus one, the T's would put them at plus five, essentially plus five. Right. A lot of times they'll lose by more than five. That's interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. I, I actually historically have bet teasers late in the year. Um, not in the playoffs, not that late, but late in the regular season when teams are pretty much, it almost feels like they're playing for draft picks, you know, where in the draft to get. It's almost like some teams almost like almost punt the, the season. I'm not saying they do, but I can tell you, I've done, I don't do teasers at all, hardly ever until like maybe weeks 15, 14, 15, 16. There's about a three week window where I've done it and done very well at it. I tried it in the playoffs. It doesn't work as well in the playoffs. So I've kind of, I don't do that anymore, but I, I don't do a lot of teasers. Do you do teasers? Much? Teasers are tough. Yeah. Teasers are tough because do the average better just uses it because they want to feel more comfortable about their bet. But strategically they have no idea how they should properly be used. I mean, you know, they go two and oh on a teaser, but they would have just covered, they would have just covered the spread, the normal spread if they just would have, you know, bet bet the game straight. So they're, they're essentially adding an extra leg, taking on more risk just for that feeling of being safe where, you know, a lot of times that, you know, that six points either doesn't doesn't save them or they don't need them. So really they're just That's, taking on an extra game for, for no reason. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with you on that. That's, that's a really good point. Uh, let's, let's, let's talk about NBA. NBA is coming up. When does the NBA start this year? Probably end of October, I believe. Is that right? The right, right on Halloween, basically. Something, yeah. Yeah. Some, yeah. Something like that. So what do you do to prep for NBA? I mean, do you do NHL by the way? I'm going, I'm going to start this year since I had a lot of success doing baseball. I'm just going to run the same model for NFL. 
Nice. I'm, I'm sorry for NHL. I'm kind of in the same boat. I've never bet on a hockey game in my life. I'm going to use a tool. I'm going to take the same approach I did with baseball. I'm going to wait about a month, get some data, understand the model, try to build a model. I'll probably go into very small units in terms of to start, kind of feel get a feel for it. And if I get a little momentum, I'm going to probably, you know, accelerate my bets a bit and kind of see how it plays out. But let's get back to NBA because I love NBA. I'm like you. I used to play basketball growing up, you know, so um, – <laughs> I think everybody probably played basketball growing up. But anyway, point is, um, so what do you do to kind of prep? Do you even watch preseason? Does there any value in that? Do you uh, look at, I mean, there's some trades going on now too, right? But what never do you watched, do? Never watched preseason. Yeah, do you watch preseason you see, see sport, NFL? Um, nope. Yeah, I'm the same way. Nope. Especially, now, especially now that I don't handicap, I don't really um, the only watching that I do is essentially watching games that I have money on. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. I'm a little bit of a fantasy football nut. I, I think you probably maybe heard on one of the podcasts, maybe you haven't, but I, I play like 21 fantasy leagues, which is ridiculous, I know. But um, what I've learned by just my point is when I've done that, when I watch preseason, all I get is the mishype, which misleads me into things that aren't real. So I've learned to pretty much ignore preseason everything. This has nothing to do with betting. I try to pretty much block out preseason every sport. And honestly, it's not that exciting to watch anyway or bet on. No. Um, you're, just, you're just watching backups. <laughs> mm-hmm. So let's talk about NBA. So you told me, you told, you had a theory. It's not really a theory. I think it's more of a probably a fact. But you talked a little bit about how when you were – um how basically star players come out or in baseball day games, star players come out to rest. I mean, you feel like a lot of times, some of the time, not all the time, but some percentage of the time, the lines will basically not adjust and people think they've got an advantage. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, Oh, I think one people, I think one, one thing that people need to understand that can instantly help a better is that, you know, then these lines are, you know, you're dealing with some of the best manipulators in the world. Um, you know, the, you know, it's nice to have some sort of statistical foundation that can give you kind of a starting point. Um, because if you're if you're to do that, you, you, if you're to do that, a lot a lot of your data will actually be relatively close to what the lines actually are. But then there are a handful of games that sit quite a bit away from where the line should be, um, and those are typically the games that are heavily manipulated for whatever reason, you know, because they've all they've got way more information than we do. Usually, it's like a, you know, some sort of motivation angle, um, you know. It always it usually relies around motivate usually relies around motivation and effort terms of where these lines discrepancies are because let's face it you know you have you know a team that's better than another team how does the or how does the team that's not as good win by 20 points? team just didn't didn't give as much effort that night yeah so you know that that's that that that's just where i start you know from from a you know line perspective in terms of um line moves so what you're talking about uh with with like injuries and roster changes um you just have to ask yourself why you know because you know that nba you know they they might follow like rotowire so they're you know they're seeing when they announce players um out especially if they're doing like fantasy that you know when when a player is announced out um does you know what what does that do to the line sometimes a line will move way too much mm-hmm. for the player that's going out sometimes it won't move much at all. So you kind of just have to ask yourself, does it does make sense? And usually if it doesn't make sense, you want to, you want to go. It's just like, you know, if it looks too good to be true, it usually is. And, and the, you know, especially at the NBA, when you have a lot of these guys load managing and making late game or late to late decisions, like, you know, 10, 15 minutes before tip-off and the line barely moves like a John Moran, you should probably be taking the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, 
I, I like John Moran. Actually, you know, everybody's gonna, everybody's, everybody's gonna be against it. Everybody's gonna be against them. That, I, I, I love the uh, theory. I think it's a sound theory. I'm gonna actually pay attention to that during the NBA this year. I really will. Oh, yeah. It, it, you'll, you'll, you'll be at. You know, that's you. There can be a lot of. There can be a lot of money, and that's kind of where knowing the sport um, comes into play. You know, you know what players make a true impact and which don't. You know, some players that are even all stars don't. You know, from a winning perspective, don't make nearly as big of an impact as you think they do. They just fill up stat sheets. No, I, I totally you know, get that. Star players go up. Carter pick up pick up their, you know, kind of pick up their slack. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I can I can see that that happens in a lot of sports. I mean, that's I think that's an interesting thing. As a matter of fact, if it's yep. as sound as you say it is, and I'm going to pay attention to it and actually bet accordingly, I might have to put you on my Christmas card list. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I have you know one of my buddies is. I mean, he's the uh, he's 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 way better than me at, at spotting those ankles, and they they seem to happen. I mean, there's always guys, there's guys going out every day, so they're. I mean, these these lines seem to pop up at least a few times a week. Yeah, yeah. So when you were handicapping, what were the what was the sport you handicapped at the NBA? Uh, I used to. I mean, I was pretty big on covers at one point um, in the NBA, but I tried. You know, I was getting so many comments on my posts. I was. You know, my plays were getting lost within the forum, so I was trying to uh, bring my following to Twitter. And as soon as I posted my Twitter handle, um, covers banned me. Oh, geez! For for trying to take their that's that's ridiculous. Well, the good news is, is we we love the community. We want to build the community. I want you to come on the show like once a month and just be a guest and just kind of just monthly touch base, and we'll just have some conversations about what we're seeing and. I want, to, I, want to, I want to kind of walk you through something I've been doing on NFL, and I plan to do this NBA and NHL, and I want to hear your feedback. I want to kind of have you just double-check my homework, if that's cool. So, Is that cool? Yeah. So here's what I did. On the NBA, I was like, okay, we're two weeks into the year. This is, this is two weeks into the year. We have two weeks of data points. I sat down, and I said, okay, I'm going to build a model. So how do I build a model? I literally went in, and I built a model with one gadget, one category, which was home and away, and I'll show you what I built. Just for the for just for entertainment, I basically put in a win percentage. It has a little bit of a bell curve, you know. Obviously, if you have a negative ten percent or below, which two weeks, it's not going to be in that range. But you get the point, and it kind of kind of goes up and bell curve. This is more of just a hockey stick, um, basically. You know, ninety percent. So I basically gave them a lot of points for their win percentage. Very simple model, nothing much to it on here, right? The point the point I'm making is I'll and I'll make my point as I go through this. My computer will keep up with me. Then I said, okay, what happens when I add the team stats? So I went into NFL, and I'll show you the team stats I put in here. I put in what I thought were the most important stats, which were like offensive passing yards a game, um, which I did it for the my own team, the opponent, because you have to do both sides, right? Then I got the rushing for you know, my own the, the team and the opponent. The points per game, obviously, would be hugely important. Defensive yards per game, um, Penalty yards, I'm not sure how relevant they are, but they all got the same weight in terms of values. Fumbles, turnovers, takeaways, um, interceptions, and things like that. That's that's pretty much it. Then I go back to my model, right? So then I was like, okay, how does home and away stats look by itself in isolation and everything else? Then I added the team stats, and honestly, you can see the records were the same after two weeks. And then I went in to add the, the spreads because I was really focused on the spreads. I'll even show you how I built the spreads model, um, which – it would be interesting because we talked a little bit about, you know, minus plus one versus minus one. Let me find, I must've skipped past it. Um, spreads right here. Um, 14 and a half. Let me get down a lot of zero values in here right now. Cause I would, actually they're all zeros. So I must've not saved my model correctly, but the point of it was I had it set up to say plus one was had a lot more value than a minus one. Right. And back into this progressive kind of modeling that I'm doing. Um, what I did is I kept adding more, things like the splits and then I would add the spread change and I would add the change from the open like basically which way is the line moving and how much is it moving and things like that and what happened was is after taking these and kind of turning the knobs on the numbers and the gadgets I was able to model based on nominal it's like 83% over here up here with all the most models kind of dropped to 54% on the spread but the money line was 6 and 0 and that's not all the games. I, I don't know why it's not quite pulling the numbers right, but it's, you, get, you get the point. So my point was, I did that. I thought, okay, I build a model that I feel pretty good about based on two weeks of data. 
change my dates and show you what happens as of 21st to 25th. These are all really good numbers. Now they corrected themselves dramatically. Small sample size, looked at historical data, broke it down into chunks. Thought I kind of started to figure out a trend. The trend, nothing good came out of it for me. Too early in the year. What do you think? What do you make of this kind of approach? Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what I do. That's what I do too. I, I literally go week by week, um, because yeah, I mean, week by week, and then month by month, and then month by month, because you're exactly right. Things can change on a dime. Uh, um, I always hold on. I got a cough. No, you're fine. While you're doing that, I was going to say. So basically, I think the point here you're making is, I think I agree with is. Like that start stock market analogy, right? You have a big spike, the trend is strong. I was hitting 83%, 100% on the first two weeks based on the trends. I could see the trends. I try to get on that stock when it's peaking, and guess what? The next time, the, the next day, the stock dropped and I missed the boat. Got to be smarter than the correction. I should have almost been betting exactly. the opposite. I should have been betting the opposite, knowing it was exactly. going to correct. So I should have well, almost. You know, you week <laughs> that, that's fair but at some point you got to basically be prepared for the correction i guess is my thinking question is what do you well, i mean okay i mean that's always uh, that's always that's always the, that's i mean that's the hard that's the hard part yeah um, especially when you're trying to bet something that you're built that you're trying to build out at the same time uh -huh. Uh -huh. You yeah. know, it's, 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 you know, it, it's, it's not, it's not, I mean, it's not proven. It's not proven at the end of the day. I mean, like for my NF, you know, for my um, NCAA model, you know, I've got a fade the line move that's been, pro you know, hugely profitable the first four weeks. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's going to in week five, but I mean, I sure do feel a whole, you know, I f certainly do feel a whole lot more confident after four weeks than two weeks. Yeah. Um, but Yeah, I, I agree with you. Let's 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 look at the analytics for the first three weeks of the year really quickly and see what we what we believe to be interesting. So these are the first four three weeks, I believe. Oh, my dates are correct. I'm pretty sure they are. And I go rolling through this. I, I see some a lot of around forty five to fifty five percent, which you'd expect. Spreads that are minus two are hitting sixty seven percent, but only three games. So that's not exactly a compelling number. This one's interesting. Minus three and a half, a five and zero. Oh. I kind of, I always kind of believe at minus two and a half, they're trying to bait you into taking the plus three and kind of 50, 50 at minus three and a half. They're trying to get you to take the dog. You can see that, but that theory seems to be working right now. Um, five and a half. That's only two games. Trying to find some bigger number games. Here's one plus three. The plus three number is at six and two and 25% after three weeks. That's interesting. I would expect that one to be a little closer to 50, 50, but again, small sample size, right? I love the plus four to four half. I would actually, I'm surprised by that one. I would expect that to be expect them to want to encourage it better to take the dog getting this on one. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's new, it's, it's a new season for the lines makers too. The true, true. Um, from, from a model building perspective, you know, it's kind of like when I first started doing baseball this season, it the all-star break and although i did get into you know adding it my ultimate goal was to essentially just collect data for three months mm -hmm. and not and, and, and off any off any trend that i saw you know no matter how how hot it was because at the end of the day you know with trends you know by the time you recognize it's a trend you know you could be 10 10 games how much longer that trend's going to go. So just about building up good data for the next go around, which is really next season. So especially what you're doing with all here, you know, some of these strong trends that, you know, even, you know, if you have for the first two or three weeks, you know, you still need to tread light in the short term, but in terms of, and good for next season, at least it's building a nice upper of units to potentially be something that you can, you know, bet for an entirety of next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I w I'm looking forward to um, the year-to-year -year snapshot, the month-to-month snapshot. Matter of fact, uh, 
I, I come from a computer background. I've worked in IT since I was right out of college, and I have I have some patents on what we call predictive like network congestion or RAN congestion, which was basically the theory was is how do mobile networks basically predict congestion based on human behavior, right? And the, the point of that was is, and they had data scientists when we were doing this like I don't know, fifteen years ago, it was a long time, maybe ten years ago, whenever it was. The point was they could actually model the amount of capacity in an area based on people going to work the same day, the same places. And what they would do is that, and here's a key point, they would look at historic recent trend data. They look at some of those were the three kind of parts to it. And the point was, there's a key point. They could actually predict when they would have congestion at like almost a 90 to 95% accuracy because trends, trends, and then a, some sort of event factor, you can build a model and, and so modeling does work. There's no doubt about it. To what extent? I mean, you can't bet a model on sports. It's 90% because it's way more random than people going to work every day or driving the same places or whatever patterns people live in, right? But the point is modeling does work. So I'm not a data scientist. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I can basically build algorithms that do this. But let's let's kind of keep playing through this. So you have splits. You don't seem to be a big believer in splits, are you? Oh, I like splits. Uh... Oh, do you? The only, you know, you just have to understand, you just have to understand the pros and cons that the cons are, you know, you're not, you know, unless you just happen to be on the right side, you're never going to be a closing line move because, you know, in, in something like that gadget, it's using when you're running historical off the best split on the close, mm -hmm. which means that if you, that, you have to essentially wait very, very late almost until the game starts until the betting splits to a point where you can confidently say, okay, this is in the range that it needs to be for me to make my bet. Because, you know, if you place your bet too early, that game could fall out of the range that it needs to be to be in a play, to be a play. That, that's, that's so true. Actually, I do exactly that. I usually wait till late afternoon yeah. to put out my picks because of exactly that reason it's consistent. And you don't, and you don't have, and you don't have, you don't have, you don't have a hard number that you're looking like a professional guy that may say, okay, I want Dallas at minus three. You know, the line may, the line may be at four at some point. They're going to hold out until they get three. Like they have a very, very specific, you know, and you're using betting splits. You just, you know, you're, you, it's not saying that you can't win. You most definitely can win, but it's, it's just a different type of betting where ever get, a, you can't ever get a bet in early when you're lying. Never. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Um, I guess we've been going for now, probably what, 35, 40 minutes. I'm not exactly sure. So we've got about five more minutes. We got to wrap up. So I was thinking about a couple of things to kind of make this, this, uh, you know, what do you think about doing a round table and bringing in the tracks and the, and the lobes and just the, 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 the modelers that we have in our community and just round table some of these top topics. Do you like that idea? Yeah. Yeah. I don't see, I don't see why, I don't see why that'd be a bad thing. The guys seem to know their, their stuff. And I mean, the thing I've noticed about you and a lot of these guys, and I'd like to kind of explain this maybe for a minute too, is, I mean, you guys are really adamant about over-unders. I, I don't know if it's the empire and, you know, <laughs> win losses, but so tell me, tell me a little bit about kind of the, honestly, the... it just, we have a lot in common. Uh, I just think that we're, we're both, you know, we're both PA guys, open-minded and we just, happen you know totals just happened to be something that we both gravitated towards the most it, mm. you know it was it wasn't anything more than that he was already already into him before um before i met him interesting they're more predictable and, though know, i would it was just you know do you think they're more p i don't know though i don't i don't know if they're more predictable but they're it's 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 a more fun bet because you don't care who wins or loses you're just rooting for runs or no runs Interesting. Interesting. Do you have a favorite on betting overs versus unders? Yeah. Well, put it this way. I don't, especially in the NBA, I won't watch a game if it's in the under because I just can't. <laughs> I just can't. The clock just does not run, fast, run out fast enough. I love that. That's interesting. But I'm watching it, but I'm watching it all, but I'm watching the game all day if I got the over. Exactly. And then they go cold and they can't hit a three and miss layups and miss free throws. You look like everybody's like Shaq at the free throw line at that point, huh? Well, I got this, you know, in the NBA, it's not so 
you know, it's not as accurate anymore because the amount of points they scored, but I got this kind of like four point rule in my head. So, you know, there's, there's 12 minutes in a quarter. So four points a minute is 48 points. So, mm-hmm. you know, roughly the totals used to be around like low fifties, but now in you know, the first quarter it could be like 60. So I just got a rule in my head and like internal pace clock of how, you know, where they sit in, ter- in regards to four points a minute. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that you actually know the, the, the whole math, because I, 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 I can tell you the complete honesty, I do the same thing. I will watch a game, and I will see the total, and then I will do the math, and I'll tell, I can almost tell you to the minute if I'm a winner or losing in my head by watching. I've done this for years, right, on basketball. I, and you probably do the same thing, right? Yeah. You're watching it. It's amazing. And I have a buddy that comes over all the time, and he'll sit there and goes, you win? I'm like, well, you know, we're six minutes, like six minutes in the game. They've scored, let's say, 30 points. I have the under. I'm losing by four. And I, and I know already. And he goes, how do you know that? I go, I've been doing this shit, stuff for a long time. And, and, and it's just amazing because you're an addict and you have to know all the time if you're winning or losing. The thing that's interesting too, though, is with like uh, DraftKings, I actually have gotten really fond of live betting, buying the lines where I want to buy them and then cashing them out when I get ahead and buying back in. It's almost like a stock. It's almost more fun. I get more value. It's also more risk, I suppose, but I've had tremendous success buying in on live bets. I know, I know there are a lot of professional bettors that only live bet. I mean, they might have, they might have 30, they might have 20, 30 live bets on the same game. And essentially they're so good at, at, at the, you know, not only judging momentum, um, but just, just their numbers in general are so solid. I mean, they can essentially be risk, you know, they can essentially, um, leverage themselves so they're risk-free pretty much every bet they're you know they they may miss out on some of the upside but they're you know they're limiting their downside to almost nothing yeah yeah that's it's fascinating like you know let's just say you 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 have a team you have a team in 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 baseball um let's just say you're betting 100 bucks a unit and you got them you got them at like minus 130 and 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 they're up and they're that and they're up by like five six runs how are you not gonna and the other teams like plus 900 how are you not gonna throw something on that plus nine i do it all the time i've done it a lot i I do it a lot yeah i mean it's just based there's just a lot of different where you can take a very very small amount of risk to essentially break even out your game at the very at the very least you know, I do that a lot. I've done it a lot. Actually, matter of fact, in baseball, I'm not lying. I can find the game. I took a screenshot of this. I had a game probably two months ago where I bet a dog, and they got way ahead in like the third inning. And so, like, I had the favorite, like plus, I think it was like eleven hundred. So I put like this was a hundred dollar bet initially, right? So I put like ten bucks on the, I think it was the White Sox and the and the Angels, as I remember. And I think it was the Angels were like a heavy favorite, so I had the White Sox. They got up like seven to three or whichever way it was. I threw like. I think it was like 10 or 10 bucks on the one side. So all of a sudden I was guaranteed I couldn't lose. The worst I was going to lose is my 10 bucks, right? Wouldn't lose my hundred, but I was still going to not lose any money really. Right. And then the game actually started to go back the other direction. So I bought it, bought the other t- team at 1100. I had to find this ticket so I can show it to you. The point was I had both teams over plus 1100. One was like plus 1400. One was plus 1100 on the same game. And I was like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> I will find that ticket and send it to you in a Discord. It was it was fascinating. Wow. Um, it, it was just pure, and I don't do this a lot. I, I do it, but not. I don't usually bet both sides. Usually, it's like I have a bet. I kind of hedge it with a very like maybe ten percent. No, I can't lose. It's kind of the point you were making. That's typically what I would do. But I'll give you one more example, and then we'll kind of go through a couple things and wrap. I was betting Colorado, Colorado State two weeks ago. I was watching this game. I wanted to get in on the game. And, but it was third quarter. I loved to wait till like the third quarter on football to get in on a game because I get a, you know, half the game to see. I can kind of see what's going on. I get a feel and I can kind of see value and I get into the right price, right? And so Colorado State was down eight points in the third quarter to Colorado. And I was like, man, I think they're going to come back. I think they might even get a little bit ahead. I threw 165 bucks on Colorado State. They literally, after that point, went up. I mean, over that, the rest of the third quarter, with like six minutes to go in the fourth quarter, they were up by 11 points. And all of a sudden, I was like, man, do I buy Colorado and hedge my bet, or what do I do? I sat there and watched the game. Colorado State gets stopped. 
Colorado goes down and scores a touchdown. Now they're up eight points. And I'm watching this game. And I at this point, the live bet, the cash out went from 165. It paid me plus 750. I should have told you that. Plus 750. So my cash out was like 1395 on 165 bet. I had like $1,300 on $165 bet. So I'm up like 1100 bucks or something on the live bet, the cash out. I didn't get shot immediately. They got stopped. Colorado scores a field goal. They're down eight. Kicked it back to Colorado State. Colorado State, basically at this point, six minutes ago, I'm like, I still don't feel good about this bet. I still feel like they're going to get stopped. It's going to be a struggle. And you know how much I love Colorado, right? So <laughs> they get to third and 10, and my bet's down to like, I think it was like 1,090. I'm still plus $900 on a $165 bet. I cashed out. Guess what happened? You know what happened, right? Colorado went down, tied it up, and won in overtime. I would have got nothing. But I was willing to walk away just because I bought in with value and I got out before I took the risk. And it was, it, it, I love that. I, there's so much value in live betting. We should have a whole conversation, a roundtable about live betting sometime. Yeah. We, yeah. I mean, I, I actually don't actually, I'm actually not a live better at all. Really? I'm just too, I'm too lazy for it. A lot of times I'll just place, place bet, go to go lay in bed. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just give me access to your account, man. I'll live bet for you. I'm kidding. Um, all right, let's 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 go ahead and wrap up. NBA is great for that. Is it? I, I haven't really bet NBA, but the thing about live betting is it swings both ways all the time. You can get on. You can just. I mean, even football, you get two good teams. They go back. They go forth. They go back. They get forth. You get ahead of that curve of going back and forth. You're just buying and selling in front of it. You can get paid over and over. Yeah, yeah. So there, there's yeah. there's and value. NBA is the ultimate game of run. It is. It's a streaky game, and it, it's, it, people get hot and during games. One player can make it make a streak. I look at uh, the the uh, what's this guy uh, Butler from Miami. Jesus, that guy in the playoffs was a one man army. A couple took up a couple of games. He had fifty five points in one game and just carried him. I could not believe that game. You know the game I'm talking about where he went off for like fifty yeah, some points. Win. He was their only player. Well, but it was still amazing to watch one guy just light it up. I and mean, one guy can carry a team and make things happen for your betting. So. Um, anyway, let's let's go ahead and wrap up, my yeah. friend. It, it's a pleasure talking to you. It's always a pleasure talking to you. You know a lot about what you what we do, and you obviously know what you're talking about, which just makes me just makes us an easy conversation. So, I want to say thank you. We'll do it again, okay? Yeah, sounds good. Awesome. All right. Well, you have a good night, and I will be in touch. And thank you for the time. You too. Catch you on disc. All right, man. Talk to you. Bye.